Today on Parrot Time, we tread the boards as we speak to one half of the Kazoo's Force, Celia Wordsworth, on Benny Asking People Questions. children's artist or any artist really you need to hunt a constant hunt for work for exposure and for the next payday it is exhausting and it is constant however some acts make it work some acts respond to the hustle with a furrowed brow and rolled up sleeves and then some are my next guest an act that has redefined the idea of longevity and hard work and the myriad of different hats one must wear their efforts and enthusiasm is contagious along with their seemingly tireless skill at saying yes to any job and making it memorable i am talking about one of this profession's standalones the kazoos and i'm really quite thrilled to be joined by one half of this duo celia wordsworth aka whatever character you were playing at the time um, thanks for joining me. Oh, Benny, it's a pleasure. What an introduction. That's right. It's my pleasure. Um, now, Celia, before we go any further, I want to, as an early educator, um, early childhood professional myself, I want to congratulate you on being one of the only kids acts that I think I know of that uh, actually references the early years learning framework ah, <laughs> in their wow. website. Do you know how that happened? No, well, I I assume it might have something to do with Margie Cohen. Ah, yes. There you go. She was just divine. She was my my daughter's kinder teacher. Brilliant. And we just connected and just had, had, I had such a close relationship with her and we had started the kazoos just a few years before I met Margie and yeah, she just took it. She came to shows, she worked really closely with us and yeah. Not a lot of of people, I mean, very rarely on TV you might see an early childhood advisor connected. Yeah, right. But it's really only shows like Play School and things like that. But there's not a a lot of it around. Well, I just loved the way she was with the Mm. kids, honestly. And look, as a parent, as soon as I had my daughter, I was in every book. Do you know what I mean? I always wanted to know what was going on. I was just always actually really fascinated with where kids were at and what was going on. And, you know, one thing that stands out in particular, I remember, because I'd always be reading the books and my daughter must have been about two and she just kept running and turning the TV off and Chris was trying to watch the telly and she just kept running and turning the TV off and he was getting really frustrated and I'm like, well, what do you expect her to do? Yeah. You know, and and it was a stand-up for him too because I would have been in the book going, oh, yeah, this is really – she's realised that that button does this so she's experimenting or whatever was going on. But I always found that I was really fascinated and then when I met this particular teacher who has such a gift Mm. with kids to the point where around here – She's worked in St Kilda for years as an early childhood educator and she'll often be bumped, like we'll see her around or she'll bump into children who are now teenagers yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, Margie! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I pulled up at the lights recently and I said, is that Margie? I don't think it was. But <laughs> Just everyone looks like yeah, Margie now. You know, Was that Margie? No, no, like... Margie would be 65 now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, could yeah. Could be her. <laughs> Yeah. Um, using something like the Early Years Learning Framework, or as it's commonly referred to in the biz as ELF. Um, oh, I haven't heard it's that. It's quite a... <laughs> this makes this next question even more pertinent. Um, uh, it's, it's quite a bold move actually sort of mentioning that because if your aim is to sort of play in early childhood environments and then by referencing the, the ELF or the, early, or the framework 
you're kind of putting it out there to educators like you really know your stuff. Had that even occurred to you or was this truly just Margie cruising in and going, no, 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 you've got to add this to it? Well, I think what happened was, from memory, we'd created the show, we were just about to embark on our first tour of the show and before we did, I wanted to... um, I'd really wanted to understand the audience. So what we did was we got Margie, she came along to a show and then we sat down with her and we did readjust things after Mm. that point. So she was very much an advisor and she, and even just through observing how she was with the kids or, you know, we'd go to information nights at the kinder and I was always really struck with her understanding of how to communicate Mm. with kids. And I saw how that worked in that kind of classroom setting And I thought, well, there's no reason we can't take Mm. that to the stage. And we've always very much, like, lots of questions, lots of putting it back on the kids and Mm. having them as active participants in the show rather than just sort of sitting there and... Well, in my experience, when children feel like they're just as much a part of the show, they're they're so engaged. Mm. And so... And we've always... I mean, we've even had people sort of say that to us after shows. The kids at live Mm. shows, the kids are so engaged. And that's because those principles that mm. we applied really early on, which was we wanted the kids to be a part of it. Let's all do the elephant walk. When you walk around, do the elephant talk. Gonna walk like the animals. Gonna talk like the animals. We're gonna walk. We're gonna talk like the animals do. All right, so let's 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 get a little bit of history down now because mm. it's it's there's a there's a lot of ground covered with you and the kazoos. So what came first? Was it Wordsworth Productions or was it Kazoos? The Kazoos. So Wordsworth Productions is only a recent um, right. Yeah, because what happened was we were working as the Kazoos and then we started getting invited to get involved with other productions. So um, to produce other shows for children so in the live setting like with city of sydney for example like yeah. they saw us as the kazoos and they had this event where they needed someone to um produce a show and they said well these guys look like they can do it so we just sort of it, we didn't really yeah. plan to do that we just started naturally moving into other areas and then opportunities were just popping up yeah. to produce other live shows for kids so kazoos so, were on stage yeah the were behind yeah, the kazoos was the first thing, and then yeah, we've just sort of branched. I've branched out into that. And so when did the kazoos? St- how did you? At what point did you go? Hey, you know, it'd be a good idea. Well, Chris and I met. Um, it's definitely a, a good start. That was a good start. We met in a bar in St Kilda where we were just playing, and we've written out. We were our own singer songwriters in our own right, so we were just playing in the same bar. We met each other. It was all a bit of a whirlwind. So nine months after meeting, we were pregnant with my daughter, Stella, which we like to say was a surprise, not an accident, (laughs) because surprises are good. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a real whirlwind. And because – and I'd always just had this thing – I'd actually studied business and marketing when I left school. And so I wasn't – but I just always had this thing like I knew that I wanted to do something with music or entertainment. Were you performing at this stage anyway? Well, we were just doing like cover gigs together and But why was the decision to come out of school to go into business and marketing when clearly you Oh no, I wasn't had a I wasn't. So I'd Chris had grown up in a very creative family. His yeah. dad's an artist and his yeah. mum's an actor. Yeah. My family, no. 
yeah. nothing. And so I think I was just really yeah, yeah, expected, yeah, yeah. like, you just go and you study something sensible and, you know. <laughs> and, but I'd always just had this... Yeah. So I'd sort of felt like I'd kind of followed suit and done what was, what was expected, but I'd always had this dream. Mm. And so when I was 23, I just started taught myself how to play guitar. So I'm not trained mm. in any, you know, formally in any kind of... in the arts at all. I've just taught myself how to play guitar, wrote songs. And then when I met Chris and we had Stella, we started writing kids' kids songs. songs. We went, this is pretty good. Let's give this a go. And um, so we literally, I mean, this is just crazy. We are a bit rogue though. We've always just kind of done it our (laughs) own way. This is literally what we did. We put an ad in a paper, which was called The Melbourne's Child. And it was in those days. There's no internet, guys. (laughs) Forget about it. We had a website, but we put an ad in Just no internet to put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it's more like sticky notes on the wall. But, you know, parents weren't finding out about things to do with kids via the internet back then. They they would go to these magazines and go, oh, what's on or, you know. So we thought, oh, well, we'll put an ad saying that, you know, we're a kids act in this magazine and then we'll just work out what to do. And on the 1st of May 2005, the ad went live, went live, went to print. (laughs) Went to print. Got dropped on doorsteps. Oh, no. And the phone started ringing and we literally, I mean, we had a handful of songs. We thought, oh, well, here we go. We got some colourful costumes and we went out and started doing it. was when we sort of really started getting serious about it though we had developed the show further so Chris's mum who um, was an actor and director she came in and directed the show and we really put it together yeah yeah. she was um, one of the characters in Prisoner and when Chris was younger. So, yeah, yeah, she'd done that for years. And he got, and, and she'd also done a lot with yeah, MTC and a lot. I mean, all of the actors in those days were theatre and then they moved over into TV. And so he'd grown up in the theatre and it was all just second nature to him. Mm. So, um, yeah, and she came on board and directed it and then we got our first tour through Hit Productions and they did a national... So they're a theatre yeah, touring yes, company yes, here yep. in Melbourne and um, we did our first tour in 2008, which was, like, wild. We didn't, yeah. you know, we just kind of went from doing a few birthday parties and kinders and things like that, and then we got this tour and our kids were... Um, so did they, did they, did they organise the tour for yeah, you? And yeah, yeah, so they... Promotion and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it was all Did done, you have to hustle for that or did they no, approach you? No, they... Um, I met them at an event and, yeah, and they knew Chris's mum as well, who was a very well-respected actor and director. And so Mm. there was a... Oh, Christine Harris, actually, who owns hip production, she was in Prisoner. So there was sort of that... Yeah, we had some... um, So there was a connection There was a connection there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And um, so she knew Betty and Betty was the director. And, yeah, Yeah. so she um, put us on the road and we had... My daughter was four... No, she must have been... I know my son was 18 months old and um, so my daughter was four, yeah. And um, we would literally do... An, we had a, a, a road a stage manager and a tour manager and wow. we would literally... And my mum was with us and we would do an 11 o'clock performance and then we would 
pack up the whole show and put it in the van so that we were driving by 12 o'clock for the nap. For the nap. Of course. (laughs) Like we would literally be like, right, okay. And I remember when we were in the sort of logistics meetings with Hit Productions, they're like, well, we've never had to sort of, you know, accommodate naps before. It's like, yeah, well, we need to have everything in the car. So we'll do the show at 11. And he would go to sleep. And, you know, you know what it's like when you get a little. So nap is the most important bit. Otherwise, he gets overtired. And then we can't. Totally. It's it's trying to explain to someone with our children about that point where you're driving home and the child starts drifting off in the car and you're going, no, don't fall asleep. Yes, no, I I, I get it. I I get it. I know. So we did that. And one time I even jumped out the window to go to the loo because I didn't want to stop the car. Because he was asleep. It's like, no, 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 we can't keep the... Okay, we get, and we slid the window and I jumped out and went to the, <laughs> the thing that you do to That's keep great. your child yeah, totally. asleep. Totally. I can totally get it. It's a windy day, let's go fly a kite. It goes that and that was crazy and then after that we really found things started to take off in terms of like we started getting lots of events and Mm. and you know council festivals and things like that because you your first album came out 2010 the kazoos but you had a dvd before that yeah i think we did the dvd and the album around the same time our, our first dvd which was very i mean you know people can make that sort of stuff in their yeah. in their kitchens these days but um cuz it was it was it just videos of the live performance oh or? we had we had one where we did with the you know green screen and we yep. sort of hired this studio and look because we'd always we'd wanted to move into the tv space mm. And look, it's fun. It's funny that one because we, we made a couple of DVDs. We did some live performance DVDs, and and we worked with a producer here in Melbourne um, on a TV concept, but it just didn't mm. fly. And then we also worked at one point with a producer in New York who was really keen to make um, a pilot with us. And it, that was a funny one and we had contracts signed and we were all ready to go mm. over there and then that fell through and we were just like, which was heartbreaking. Mm. And then I just sort of got to the point where I was like, well, maybe that's not the, mm. the they're not the doors that are opening yeah. for us. The theatre doors were really opening mm. for us. And yeah, so I just decided that that was where we were meant to be. Well, let, let's talk about the the first album, um, yep. The Kazoos. Hip, hip, hooray, we're here today. We're the Kazoos. Hip, hip, hooray, it's a wonderful day. We're the Kazoos. Being a band <clears throat> who had such a ri- wide range of things that you were sort of finding yourself in, was it a bit hard to kind of bring out an album of songs? Because it's very definite, whereas it sounded like you were still morphing into all kind like sort of doing lots of different things yeah. like did you ever sort of go oh well, this is now the music side of kazoos or was it just like you know i've actually got all these songs that we put in our stage so let's just put them like was it yeah, a was I, it a money-making exercise was uh, it was it about having uh, merchandise yeah. or was it actually about releasing an album I think it was very much they were taken from what we were doing on stage. Mm. We were writing music that we could perform live and then 
yeah, I think actually we had a manager uh, early on and he said you should actually put this all into an album so that you can sell them at shows and so that kids can take it home. So we did that. But, yeah, I think our music's always been... I mean, even now we've got so many songs that we've produced specifically for shows Mm. that we haven't recorded. Mm. So we've, you know written them because we needed a song about a superhero for a show and then but we haven't actually ever put them onto an album let's just talk about the first um album uh the saxophone in animal walk uh is just great Um, just want to point that out. Now that was well, a majority. Chris would be very happy about that. <laughs> was the majority of the album made in your studio? Chris or your did it himself, room, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because we don't, we're, yeah. we're Chris and I are literally both guitarists, singer songwriters, mm. really basic. Yeah. But you know, yeah, he did that first one, but the second album, obviously, we had real musicians. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd and you can tell, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, there are there's a couple of hints though, I reckon off the first album that I heard and I kind of went you know now ha- now having heard the second album they kind of made sense more sense to me I think one of them is sailing in boats um, I heard that and it's to me that's the one song on that first album that actually feels like you were letting yourself musically come through a bit because you could vocally like I think all that stuff with the children I'm assuming your yeah, kids that was stellar yeah but it was also the, just the fact that it was just just out of earshot, it wasn't front and centre, yeah. which is what people tend to do with kids' music. Yeah. They tend to go, oh, I've got kids, I mean, I do it, kids yeah. in front, yeah. you know, it's yeah. kids' music. And it was kind of really beautiful, that song, for me. But then after listening to the second album, I did actually really go, okay, that was a hint that you maybe spent a bit more time on yeah. that yeah. song I'm in the studio, think... if you can remember. Well, Chris wrote that song mm. and it was funny because – and. I was just reflecting then because the first album was very much just written when our kids were young and I think it was just whatever was happening in our life and we were just kind of going, let's sing about that. Anyway, Chris was walking around the house and he kept singing, I love to go sailing in boats. And I just thought it was some song from his Mm. childhood or something. And then he's like... You haven't sort of said anything about the song that I've been singing. Like he was waiting for me to go, oh, what's that? So what do you uh, think you know? about my boat and song? And I'm like, what? what? Did you write? Is it yours? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should definitely record that. I'll put that in the show. <laughs> it is It is a real standout though for me. I don't know. It, just, it was and a little a, hint. And there's a little video clip that goes along well, with yes. it, which is on YouTube. And I, and I yeah. kind of got the sense that you went, actually, you know what? That's a really nice, let's let's actually bother going to the next yeah. level with that one. And he um, did that too. Love to go sailing in boats. I love anything that floats. Oceans or rivers or moats I love to go sailing in boats Love to go sailing in boats Yeah, now, it is a bit of a standout uh, track for me on that album But it doesn't stand out quite as much as Bubbles (laughs) (laughs) I got to the end of the album and went, okay, you know And then Bubbles started and I went, what the hell? (laughs) Like it's it's amazing, but was 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 not was not ready for that. (laughs) 
that feels like and one kids of kids loved that. <laughs> totally. It's they actually, a we got a lot of comments about that. I completely forgot about that. So, song. What did that did that come from? Like, was that a oh, was I that think, a measured attempt at something, or did you just go? I, I think honestly, just, I just made that up in a show yeah. on the spot. Just we had a bubble you're machine. Not, you're not meant to say that. You meant yeah. to say things like you tortured yourself <laughs> over it for months. How to get the precise sound and, and the reverb. It's it's pretty. Yeah, I did. I hear it. And I kind of went, yeah, this is great. <laughs> it was just out of nowhere. And kids loved and, that um, song. I haven't yeah. done that for years. And it was yeah. very confusing because I haven't had anything to drink for about four months, and well, yet I just we all of a sudden I felt like I was like, going, am I drunk? What's going on? Um, okay, so. And I think we've always done it like that, Benny. We've literally just flown the plane as we're mm. driving it, riding it, flying it. <laughs> Something. Yeah. That's a good indication <laughs> of how, and how much effort look, you put I in. I think in some ways that's worked for us, but in, others it ha- in other ways it hasn't, mm. you know, because I think probably some proper planning can go <laughs> a long way in life. Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad personally from the bottom of my heart that you <laughs> made no effort on that song. <laughs> Um, now everyone's going to go and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that'll, be, that'll be another thing. You need to yeah. make a clip now. Oh, and you know, oh, because here it is. I think I just remembered. When my daughter was really little, you know how when kids have like witching hour and they're really... Um, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, grizzly. What I would do was I would get the bubble, like uh, just... Yeah, the wands. Know, yeah. Bubble wand and I would blow bubbles for her. And what I realised when I was doing that was that I, she was fascinated with the bubbles and I was breathing yeah, deeply. Yeah, yeah. And I tell parents that all the time because it's actually a really good technique. Yeah, it's definitely something that's cropping up more in the, in the context of early childhood and, right. and, and um, mindfulness is this idea of kids doing bubble breathing and, yeah. and, and you give them bubble wands yeah. and they actually... And you are to do and their own it was bubbles, like yeah. I was doing it and I probably made up the song mm. when I was doing something like that. I, I think you made it up as you're recording it as well. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't, did anyone listening, that's unfair. It's an amazing yeah, track. No, it's no, just no. out of yeah, nowhere. It was probably like knowing us. It would have been like, oh, we probably need another song for the album. I'll just hit record. I'll, hit record. I'll make something up. Now, then three years later, we have Twist and Shake. Do you know how to do the Twist and Shake? Well, the first bit is about the twist. I love this dance. But it truly just felt for me it came from a whole different band or yeah. a band that had just spent six months in India or something and just came yeah, right. back. And yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's, it's, it immediately felt different. It just was more mature, yeah. um, smoothie, and then milking a cow. These these things just had such a marked level in, I guess, the production, the yeah. attitude towards yeah. the production. Um, but there's also just simple things like your, all of a sudden your concentrate, uh, your harmonies were more concentrated, and there were much more dynamics within the music. Yeah. Um, can you, what what changed? Like, I mean, what was the difference? It well, only... I think we were, we were more mature. We had been writing songs for a lot longer. What year was it again? I can't even remember. 2013? 2013, yeah. yeah. So we had been going for a good sort of six or seven years. And I think 
yeah, you you do mature as a songwriter, mm. and I. That's why when I think about that first album, I go, oh no, I've got a whole box of them. I never even <laughs> sell them at shows. I'm like. <laughs> Because it was very much like we had this love of the live performance stuff, so we were writing the song so we could totally. do it. Yeah. But we hadn't quite got – we were both songwriters, but we hadn't quite got our head around, yeah, writing for kids. So Well, I think, I think – yeah, see, because for the first album, I get that sense that you are responding to how you see things happen live and mm. and that's not a bad thing. Um because you also know and you can see that it responds. Like you go, well, why wouldn't we record that? Because I can see the kids all stomping around and doing it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but even even with the content of the second one, like not even so much just musically, like even even the lyric, like it, it, it's much more um, narrative as well. Like yeah. there's less action stuff going on. It's more like he's a central figure and this is what happens. I mean, are, they, are these songs coming from a live environment as well or are you actually, you and Chris going, let's just sit down and write a great album? Yeah, I think Because I can't see a lot of those things really working at live as strongly as the first album yeah. would. Yeah, right, yes. And I think it was we had spent a lot more time writing. We'd obviously just continued writing that whole time but hadn't recorded a lot. So we had a really good pool to choose from. So we chose – and, look, some of those songs we have never performed live. So, yeah, you are very much right because the first album was just what are we performing live, let's record them. And um, we spent a lot more time on it and um, – yeah, I really like that album. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's got some, yeah, it's, it's yeah. some really beautiful moments yeah. on it. Yeah, and look, even now I think about it, we've got so many songs we haven't mm. recorded, you know. If I had to record another album, like, yeah, I'd have a pool of yeah. songs to, because we have very much, like I said, um, sort of built the plane as we're flying it. Yeah. So we're kind of like, okay, so we have to produce, we have to produce this show so we write the music for it. And then we don't get around to actually yeah. recording it as an album. Well, I guess, and I think that's the one thing that stood out with um, Twist and Shake <clears throat> is it, it feels like a response to want to create good content, mm. whereas the first album was a response to let's have stuff available, let's spot on. have things yeah, around spot on. for people exactly. to take home with Exactly, them. and it was early days, so, yeah, we just only had what we were performing live. Yeah. And then we didn't have quite enough, so we wrote bubbles. Fish in a pond. Swimming around in his dressing gown. Goldfish in a pond. In his dressing gown. A dressing gown? Fish don't wear dressing gowns. Okay, so what's the fish? I get the feeling I listen to the two albums and the second album there is such an enormous shift in the production values yep. and the way I think the way you've actually seen the value in recording yes. music whereas yes. the first one almost yeah. just feels like a um, uh, it almost feels like you were just sort of taking a catalogue of stuff yeah, that you had whereas I, yeah. the second one and I'm glad you said that because every time we think we don't even sell the first album anymore yeah. it's just like kind of okay we did that but yeah <laughs> the second album that we did we were actually working with um, a musician Josh Furmeister mm. and he produced that for us and we did that as a collaboration with him mm. which was great and we really enjoyed it Get up before the sun comes up 
So everyone's got milk there for their cup. Glug, 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 glug. The yard is full of milk, so let's begin. And then tomorrow we'll do it all again. We'll be milking, milking, milking the cow. Milking, milking, milking the cow. I do get the sense the, f- the second album was more of a collaboration of ideas. It's not to suggest the first one wasn't a collaboration, but as you mentioned before, it feels like there were things existed. Chris ran off and did that, and you ran off and maybe did yeah. something else and then turned around and went, here's the album, whereas this one really does feel like right. you sat together and... Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Probably pretty much all of them. We write in a way... It's funny, Chris will often just come up with maybe a chorus or something like that or a um, something on the guitar and then I'll finish it off, mm. you know. Um, good Night happily yes. sits for me in the world of country folk. Yeah. Uh, which seems to run through a lot of the stuff you guys Yes, well, do. that's good that you picked up. We used to actually be a country duo, right, Chris okay. and I. <laughs> how we started doing we do all the old hank williams songs and and patsy klein and yeah like simply changing the lyrics on a lot of those songs would quite happily sit it in the world of adults particularly good night being one of those um when making this album did you did you do that thing that children's artists often do where they say i want to write songs that adults want to hear as well no like it just never 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 cared about the adults. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, no, seriously God. though, my thing was I don't even see adults when I'm performing live. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, no, this is for the kids. A frog fell asleep on a lily pad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't really know the kind of life he had. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just- I was watching the Aussie Outback clip to the frog song. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was actually, re- it was kind of strange because I was reminded, a couple of years back I was trying to track um, the kazoos down just because I've sort of heard about you and so I was just sort of finding out a bit more information. But I was quite stunned when I found you were from Melbourne. Ah. Um, just because watching that clip in particular and seeing just little snippets of you touring um, it, it really, really felt at home for the kazoos. It really felt like a place you belonged. There's nothing like going into a particularly a really rural area. Like that particular tour, you know, we went into towns where there were emus walking in the street mm. and our kids were like, what is this? And, you know, went and performed um, to kids that just never have anything like that and the questions that they would ask us and you know quite often after the show when we'd have like question times that would be the part where the kids were the most yeah yeah most vocal yeah and asking and we had this incident one time in this library and Chris was packing up the gear and there was and this library in this town was like a central hub where Mm. a lot of the kids would hang out after school because their parents were working or you know doing whatever they had to do and it was a very small town and the kids were asking Chris all these questions and there was this mum at a computer 
going, stop asking him questions. <laughs> and the librarian's like, that's how they learn. They have to ask questions. Yeah. And we were like, wow, yeah, that is so true. You know, and then we... Um, well, I guess it informs what you do next as well, doesn't it? I mean, the, more, the, the, the stronger the interaction and the wider the interaction with children is, the more information you walk away with as well. And yeah. The, and the better your next show is going to be and the better... Resp- yeah, you know, and you find out what they're interested yeah. in and that's how you engage with kids. And Professor Silly, when we did the rebrand, which was after that point, we have a, he has a question mark on his yes. top because he loves questions because yeah. he's a silly professor and yeah. he'll get all the questions wrong. Oh, yeah. career as a professional artist is pretty exhausting to say the least um the kazoos are a particular force in this field a lot of traveling um but also a lot of i get the sense there's a lot of pressure to come up with a lot of new content um does as as an artist does that get a bit too much or as an artist is that great is that kind of what you live for yeah i i love coming up with a new show idea I think the main thing is um, lack of time. Like Mm. if I had more time, I would record all the songs that Mm. we've, you know, written over the years and all this sort of stuff. I think that's the main challenge that we've found, just lack of time. And and is that lack of time for kind of everything? Everything's only getting 60% of you, like lack of time for family, lack of time for new content, lack of time for... Well, for example, we had this show concept idea and we'd sort of, you know, fleshed out, like this is for our new show, Dress Up Box, and we'd sort of fleshed it out and we had a date booked at the beginning of this year in South Australia. So we sort of had to finish it and write Mm. the show because we had this date that we had to be there for. And um, often I've found over the years that's when the work kind of appears, when there's something pressing or there's something. And look, you know, I wouldn't advise working like that. It's a lot of pressure. But But you also have to though, because you're still stuck in a trap of kind of never saying no to a yeah, paycheck. Yeah, you know? and yeah. I think that's the trap of being an artist anyway. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think often if I think about it like that, like a lot of our work's been produced kind mm. of, yeah, while the clock's ticking. And Is there a lot of time away from home? Look, there has been over the years. I'm not touring as much anymore. Mm. Or do, Our kids now are... Um, 15 and 12. Yeah, right. So we can't take them. The last mm. time we took my daughter out of school, I sort of thought, oh, we probably shouldn't be doing this. And last year we went to um, WA and um, we couldn't take her. She just couldn't be away. Mm. And, um, yeah, so we took my son and I sort of thought, oh, you know. And also, look, to tell you the honest truth, I, I'm getting kind of tired of yeah, doing that yeah. and I'm enjoying more. So I'm moving more into producing mm. now. And um, in the performing arts space. And um, that's where I see my creative. um, Mm. I find the producing side of it and directing and coming up with new show ideas, I find that um, probably more creative than the actual performance itself. Yeah, I like that process. In the performance or coming up with the performances? Yeah, coming up with the performances, writing the music, Mm. thinking about what the costuming's going to be, all that sort of stuff. I love that side of it. And I think um, touring and um, performing was always a dream. Mm. And 
But after a while, it takes a lot out of you. You don't realise, you know, I think I was just sort of running on that adrenaline Mm. for so long. And yeah, kind of always feeling like, yeah, you have to say yes to the next gig because you need the pay packet and yeah. Are you ready to go for a walk? We'll get your shoes on. Let's go walking about. Let's go walking about. Let's that kind of live, is, is it for you personally? Was that hard to kind of reconcile as a parent as well? Like, did you have like a version of what you thought? You, like, you're saying you're taking your kids on the road. I mean, was that from a, a point of view of giving them that experience or just so you could also just be closer to your family and things yeah, like that? Yeah, look, is I that... think always those times were our best times. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you said before, like it's like we're mm. at home. Whenever we're touring or doing something like that, we're all in the zone mm. and we all love it as a family. Our kids are really good at travelling. Mm. They've done it for years and they enjoy it. Like I remember a few years ago, Roland was like, we haven't done a road trip for a while, you know, <laughs> and... They love that and we love that. But, look, I think in terms of sustainability from a financial point of view, yeah. it's it's very difficult because mm. you don't um, – it's not a hugely yeah. high-paying, you know, venture. You, you have gone through a recent breakup with Chris. Yeah. Do you – how much of this do you attribute to – this this kind of the financial pressure and just the constant hunting for work and things like that kind of pressure of of being a touring artist I guess yeah yeah look we spend a lot of time together Mm. (laughs) a lot of time together fortunately we get along very well but um and we still get along well you know I mean I don't want to do the whole yeah we're great because you know but um yeah, obviously it, it put pressure on our relationship. Um, it put pressure on us as a family. and um, But um, I think the financial side of it, yeah, probably played a mm. huge part in that. And um, also I think um, spending as much time as we spent mm. together. But in saying that, you know, that's who we were. That's yeah. who we were when we met. And I also think, Benny, it's probably a lot of the reason we stayed together as long as we did, you know, because even when we are still performing together and even in that space, that space on stage, we're really connected and we've worked together for so long. Like I could pretty much like we it's like we know the rhythm mm. of each other on stage and something happens with a child I pretty much know what he's gonna do and then he knows where to pull back and let me go in so we have always been really connected in that way it's night and the stars are all shining it is night and the sun's yeah Look, it is a hard time at the moment and I'm sort of in, in very much in the process of like where to now, what do I do? But I think, um, you know, one of the big factors um, with a career in the performing arts is really maintaining your mental health. And, you know, I won't go into too much detail for privacy reasons, but, um, yeah, I think that lifestyle can really um, affect your mental health and it's really important to, um, yeah, 
Yeah, which is really tricky, I think, because it's also a profession that attracts people with an ability to see the world a bit differently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then to find yourself in a very, I guess, what can be considered a very unstable kind of profession. Yeah. Do you... I think it's the not knowing and mm. you're always kind of looking forward going, okay, I hope enough gigs come in so that mm. we can sort of, you know... Like, we would usually be kind of a month or two out ahead on our, mm. you know, like what we could sort of see it in the future. Um, and then... Inevitably, we've always been, you know, we've always... But that doesn't stop the stress. Yeah, it doesn't stop the stress, exactly. And I'm really... um, I've I've begun to get involved. There's a new... um, Well, I think it's been around for a little while, but the Arts Wellbeing Collective, which was set up through Arts Centre Melbourne. Just good good that you're doing more things. It's definitely... Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was, I was I trying to question your you think maybe commitment cause... to just everything that comes to your door. Yeah, I know, I know. But um, what was really interesting, I went along to a workshop there recently, and what's really interesting about this is we have some of the highest levels of mental health issues in the performing arts, and it's not because we're all crazy artists. It's actually the industry itself because artists are expected to do... I mean, the amount of times, Benny, people ring me and go, oh, that's a lot of money for one show. It's like, yeah, but you're not considering the fact that we had to write the show, the fact that we have to get there, the fact that, you know, all of this stuff. um, And artists inevitably will end up working harder for less pay and um, yeah, and, and it has. We we actually need to change the industry mm. so that people are understanding like what is a fair price to pay for a show. Or there's a lot of issues in that area in in the live performance space, and I think we need to start addressing it as a as an industry. It is not. To when I'm employing artists, I, I, I'm working on an event at the moment, and um, there's a lot of hours for performers. And I go and I find out, well, what do I need to pay them? What do I need to give them in terms of meals? And I have to go back to my client who inevitably wants to pay less mm-hmm. and say, I'm sorry, but if you're working with me, this is what the artists need and this is what I there's overtime involved here I have to pay them overtime you know I'm not just because what happens a lot in the performing arts is they'll do it mm. because we're desperate for the work yeah because you want the job you want the exposure, you want the job you des- yeah mm. and so I've decided for myself as a producer when I'm producing events or I'm producing shows that I'm going to pay artists properly mm. even if that means that the client goes with someone else it's like mm. 
sorry, but I'm not going to underpay people. They've studied, they've worked really yeah. hard. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly yeah. what I mean. I think as a, as a musician I've had lots of can I use your track for free on this thing? That'll be great exposure. And you just oh, yeah, go, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes happen. I feel like saying to people, hey, do you want to take a day off work? Come and work for me for at this event. It'll yeah. be great exposure for you. Everyone <laughs> will think you're there. a really nice guy. <laughs> off we go. Driving in my rinky-tink car. Driving in my rinky-tink car. Wherever I go, see the people that I know. And we stopped at the traffic light. With regard to what I pay or what I'm I'm charging for work now, I'm a lot more confident. Mm. I just say, this is the price. Mm. If you want us to come, this is what it is. And inevitably some people will come back and say, oh, could you do it for this? And it's like, well... Mm. Sometimes I say yes. Well, you did. You did say like you're saying like it needs to change, change from an industry's perspective. Yeah. So us within the industry yeah. need to stop going. You know what? Matt? No, we're not going to. Yeah. yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big one that yeah. one, and I think it's <clears throat> it's a surprisingly consistent conversation through all the arts. You know, I think everyone, yeah. and I I, I find. Not that this is about me, um, <laughs> but I, I find it quite difficult sometimes to convince people that I might get in to help me on a show. I find it really hard to actually convince them to pay them properly. Yeah, right. Like they often go, "Oh no, no, that you don't have to do that." You know, you, and you go, yeah. like you're saying, you kind of you, you're the immediate assumption is to undervalue. Yes. But it was really difficult for all of them bless them it was really <laughs> difficult for them to take that yeah. money and and the money i offered they immediately clocked it and went that's that's too much you know we don't get paid that kind of money yeah well, but i knew breaking it down i was going i know this is still this is still very minimal yeah. compared to how much work you have to put in for this yeah, yeah. but it was just interesting to note that they instantly instantly just went nah there's that's you can't They've been around long enough to go, you're not like, this is... Yeah, you, you don't know, have that to You're get, not getting yeah. paid that yeah, kind of money. Yeah. This is a magic floating island full of fun and friends Where anything can happen or the fun, it never ends Anything you want to be, anything you want to do Magic things can happen when we play on our kazoos So come and join us I mean, we've been going for 15 years. We just haven't really caught up with all of that, you know, the YouTube and the spot. I mean, we've got the albums on Spotify, but we haven't really. And I think, you know, that's due to a lot of, like, just kind of trying to keep the wheels turning, having a family, doing the shows that we are doing, and also producing other shows that we've started doing. And really, from my perspective, the the question's always been, how do you make money? You know, you have to be able to make money. I, I'm, you know, now in my 40s, I can't, I mean, I did a lot of, we, I did in my 20s and 30s, a lot of free stuff, a lot of, mm. you know, for the love of it. But you do get to a point where you're like, I actually have to put mm. food on the table mm. for my family, you know. And um, so, yeah, I've, um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, like, um it's working out what's sustainable and what, and for me it's been in live performance because people are prepared to you know 
pay us to go and do that and it's enabled us to keep doing what we're doing mm. for as long as we have been doing it. And um, like I say now, you know, things have changed. Chris and I have separated, which has been really hard. But um, we'll continue to perform together for a period of time. And it's interesting because I don't know if when I stop performing, if I'll, I probably will mm. miss it, you know. But I'm also um, excited about getting in. I've got a few other projects on the on the back burner. I've got a children's book, which I'm trying to get the rights to do and which I'm really – that is to produce mm. into a live show mm. and um, – and tour i've also got the amazing superhero show which is all about um um promoting positive mental health um for for kids because i think if we can get in early that mm. goes back to the stuff that i was talking about mental health you know so yeah i really um i really think i'll always just keep producing stuff mm. for kids i'm just not quite sure in what capacity so <laughs> Went for a walk in my neighbourhood with my hat upon my head I saw my friend the postman and this is what he said Oh, It was a report with kazoos like you mentioned before how it's all, you know I'm assuming, do you, do you still make your own props and all that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, we I do mean, is there a, Was there a point where you just went, oh for the love of God, can't <laughs> just someone... Come yeah. and make this damn tree yeah. for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. taking me three nights to make, and it's yeah. just going to sit at the back and probably not get noticed. I know, I know. No, we made our own dress-up <laughs> box recently, right about three days before we had to leave to go to South Australia. And Chris is like, "I don't know if the paint will dry in time," and you know, like all that sort of stuff. There's a party on Kazooie Island. Everybody's gonna come along. Thank you very much for talking with me today. Um, yeah, it's really it's fascinating, and, and it's 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 nice to. It's always nice to talk to people in our world that um, you can tell have a genuine love for the things they produce for children, and and. Um, yeah, so thank you for chatting with me today. Absolute pleasure. If you'd like to know more about Celia and the Kazoos, then visit their website on www.thekazoos.com. And of course, for more parent time goodness, visit www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny. Ask people questions. Yeah.